Hello, my little sugar cubes. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. If you're alive, you are what to do. What's Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. My name is Teresa Sedeno. I'm a personal trainer and I'm helping bridge the gap between mental health and fitness. We're picking back up where we left off in Jeff's interview. As a recap, Professor Jeff Kryle is an exercise science teacher at Moorpar College. He taught me how to be a personal trainer and he showed me the power of challenging myself personally and professionally. Last episode, we talked about why it's important to step outside of your comfort zone, the growth that comes from it, and the impact of having supportive people around you. In this second half, we'll be talking about highlighting your victories, learning from failure, and the difference between discipline and motivation. I think that that so often we just kind of expect that we should just love it right away. And I think too often we focus more on what the outcome is going to be. I'm going to love the outcome. I'm going to hate the process. I'm going to love the outcome. Well, no wonder we never see the outcome so often because if we already know the, you know, the, 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 the ends justify the means like, well, it's going to suck, but I'm going to do it. Well, you're focusing on the outcome. Maybe somewhere along the way, you may actually kind of like the process. Maybe you like the fact that now you sleep better. Maybe you like the fact that now you, um, you're not as sore. Maybe you like the fact that now you're a little stronger and you notice that when you're getting your kids out of their, out of their crib, like little things like that. We, we tend to overlook that stuff because, you know, well, lifting my child out of the crib is not my goal. You know, my goal is to look better for my cruise this summer. Well, yeah, that's fine. But there are little wins along the way that I think oftentimes we overlook. And funny moments, too. Like, absolutely. I, I remember um, myself and even like my clients, I'm always like asking them like, oh, like, how are you feeling? You're feeling stronger. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, have you started to like slam your cabinets a little bit stronger? And they're like, yes. And I'm like interesting right it's funny moments all of a sudden you're slamming your doors and you're slamming your cabinets but i feel like what you were mentioning about loving the process some people they think that's that's crazy like how could you love punishing your your muscles and like it hurts like how could you love that and i feel like sometimes we try to convince ourselves no it's not punishment it's fun love the process and instead of just explaining it like that we should explain like well it's not only loving the process, but like actually choose what you love. If you really love walking, like do that and then you'll love the process. If you like weightlifting, then do that and then you'll love the process. You shouldn't always force yourself to like, well, this is this is what, you know, I don't know, bodybuilding.com told me to do. And so I have to do it. I want that goal. I have to. I'll just muscle through it. And then, you know, some we don't enjoy it. And then it's like, well, well, and then little by little you start, right, weaning off your program and all that stuff. Well, I think that part of what gets people to enjoy the process is actually experiencing success. Because people will look at, well, I went to the gym this morning, but I didn't have any success. My success is the outcome. It's the end goal that's supposed to happen in however many months we decided it was supposed to happen. But so often, I mean, I'm, I, I've been... You know, personal trainer for a couple of decades now. That sounds old. 
Um, and, and I'm still practicing. I'm still, I, I train clients and it's great to keep, keep my skills sharp and, and say, like, here's another situation that can happen and blah, blah, blah. So I, I bring my personal experience with my in, industry into my educational opportunities with students. But so, so often clients, and we do this in general, but we're going to talk about with this, with fitness, clients completely overlook success, completely overlook it. So I'll give you an example. I may have a client, let's say, for example, is um, I have them do a lunge circuit, okay? And so they're doing a lunge to the front, a lunge to the side, and a turning lunge. And their goal is to do uh, 20 repetitions as fast as they can of each one of those, right? And so they did it the first time, week one. They, let's say they did um, all, all 60 of those repetitions, 20 of each direction, and they couldn't, they couldn't go down very far on their lunges, right? So their range of motion is smaller. And it took them like two and a half, three minutes to finish it. And at the end, they were exhausted and they were tired. So then, and then of course, I would tell them like, well, hey, you did great. They're like, no, I, my legs are on fire. Like I'm, I can barely breathe. It took me forever to finish. I had to stop all the time. I'm like, yeah, but you'd never done this before. So the fact that you even completed it is a win. And then second week, now they're a little bit more fit, tiny bit. Now they did it a little tiny bit faster. Maybe they beat their time by 10 seconds and they came a little bit lower and let's say the forward lunges. And so I'll say, wow, great job. How you doing right now? Oh man, I feel terrible. I'm exhausted. My legs are, it's all the same. So they went lower, they went faster and they still reenact or keep repeating the same things that they perceive are the failures. And don't get me wrong, in the gym, this is what I tell people all the time, and I, I, I'll say, I want you to take a big, big walk around this room, put your arms out and do a big circle, and this is your kingdom. This is where you are allowed to fail. This is where failure is applauded. This is where we cheer on failure, because if you failed, that means you worked to the point where you couldn't work anymore. Do you know how often people in, in gyms do that? Not very often. Usually, as soon as it starts to get uncomfortable, they stop. As soon as they're breathless, they stop or they back down the intensity or something like that. So when you actually get to the point where you fail in my fitness business, I cheer for them. Like if they did a push up, let's say, and they like actually like just crumble to the ground, I cheer them on and I get all my other clients to go, he failed. She failed. She couldn't do another <laughs> one. Yay! And they're looking at me like I'm absolutely insane, but it's the mindset that we embrace failure. Failure means that you worked so hard, you simply couldn't do it again. And I, I tell them, it will never be harder than it was just now. The next time you do this, it's going to be a little easier. Maybe not more repetitions, maybe not lower, but maybe you recover faster. Or maybe the posture was a little easier. So often I have to remind people when they will say things like, uh, I was like, well, hey, tell me about your workout. How did the workout go? Like, uh, I'm just, I'm really not very good at standing on one leg. I'm like, okay, well, this week I put you on one leg on a squishy disc. You couldn't even stand on one leg on earth before. So they forget the little wins that they've had along the way. And we, are, we kind of program ourselves to do that when we expect success right away. Always success. Give me success. Personally, I think in this current generation, I'm going to throw this out. And uh, I think we've taught people that. I think academia is probably one of the biggest purveyors of making sure everyone succeeds. You know, in my family, I mean, maybe I'm a cruel father, but um, my kids do um, a summer swim league and our children get uh, 
They get ribbons for first place, second place, third place. They get ribbons for time improvements. So if they have an individual improvement in time. And if they didn't place, they didn't win their heat, and they didn't improve time, they still get a ribbon. It's a little light blue one that says participant. Yeah. The infamous participation award. And so I remember looking at this going, what does this mean? My first season, my son was six, and my oldest was six. And I was like, what does this even mean? I was like... What does it mean? They're like, oh, that he swam in the race. So I was like, why would they give a ribbon that he didn't drown? Like, that's basically what the ribbon is. So that's why I started describing. So all my kids know that when we get the ribbons, we separate the, any of the blue ones. And as they get better, we get fewer of those. But they go, okay, dad, you can throw these away. And, and I tell them, I said, this is a ribbon showing you didn't drown. I said, is the expectation that all of the swimmers will not drown? And they go, yeah. Well, then why would you need a ribbon to remind you of that? We, so often we, are, we pat people on the head because they played, but we are all expected to play. Like, you shouldn't be patted on the head because you actually were on a team. You should be patted on the back because you worked hard, you know, won something. And I think that we end up lowering sort of the standard of what success really looks like. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to give accolades to a person who is achieving something they've never done. So for that, in that client situation where they'll say their legs are weak and I can't do lunges and I don't know how to do this or my knee hurts and blah, blah, blah. Maybe that win, that little, that little ribbon of time improvement is you just did an entire lunge circuit and your knees don't bother you. That's a win. That's a huge win. You know, and some, sometimes, I mean, some things like behaviors like writing down food, that's extremely hard to do. Whether you're using an app and I've you know, listened to your podcast and you talk about using different types of apps to help you support you in tracking food intake. It still takes time. It still takes commitment. It still takes an intent to remember to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if I have a person that says, hey, you know what? Hey, have, you, have you logged your food yet? And they go, no, I downloaded the app yesterday. Isn't that That's a win? Awesome. Yeah, That's absolutely. a win. But so often they'll say, yeah, but I didn't do anything else. You know, it's like, well, but you did one thing toward that goal. And I think without giving participant ribbons, we also need to remind people that it's those those minute-by-minute victories, each one of those, it becomes a cumulative effect. And when we start adding more of those in, then those little tiny victories become behavior changes. And that is where the outcome then happens. So I I think that oftentimes we end up overlooking some of the little tiny wins. Now, for me, I like sweets. I feel like Sir Mix-a-Lot. I like sweets and I cannot lie. And so when my wife and I first got married, she, she and I would shop at, you know, the big warehouse chain. We'd go to Costco and I love Oreo cookies. They're my jam. So we would buy the big, huge box of Oreos. Sounds good because my wife, who likes Oreos just fine, she'll have like three and then she'll walk away. I'll have three rows and then I'll go back for more. So I would end up finishing an entire Costco box of Oreo cookies in probably two, maybe three days max. And of course, that does not make me feel good. I don't have any energy afterwards. And, you know, my pants are getting a little, a little tighter. And so finally, and I, she said, well, why don't you just not eat as many? And I looked at her like she was weird. I'm like, no, that's not really a thing I, I'm good at. I'm just not. I know my weaknesses. I'm not good at that. So for, for some people, it's, you know, whatever. Alcohol, for me, it's sweets. If it's something I like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it. Like you might as well just have your servings now because Jeff's all over it. So we just made an agreement that we just can't buy Oreos anymore. So my poor kids, we can't have Oreos in the house because I'll eat them. So I know what my, my limitations are. And so when 
if the, if an Oreo ends up in my house, because that does happen, one of my sons likes to go to the grocery store and buy himself Oreos, and he puts them on top of the fridge. But the good news is, I'm not going to eat his Oreos, because he bought them with his money. So when I see the Oreos and go, oh, okay, good, those, those are Maddox's, then I go, victory! Like, I win, because I didn't grab one. Mm-hmm. And so that may sound silly to some people go, Oreos, bleh, I don't like that stuff. I'm like, well, that's not your thing, right? So maybe... Maybe alcohol is your Oreos. I feel like uh, Steve Martin and Three Amigos. Maybe public speaking is your El Guapo. Those people on this podcast need to watch Three Amigos. It's a good movie. Okay. But anyway, so there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, the the thing is, like, we, we have to be willing to recognize when we do actually do well. I think so often we just find the negatives and stuff. Uh, one quick story and then I'll shut up. But uh, I, I tell you, when I get, uh, I used to, when my old my old teaching job and even my current teaching job, we get instructor evaluations. And I always would get so nervous to read these evaluations. And I enjoy criticism because I do want to get better. I always want to improve. But I could have, and I noticed this about myself, I could have 50 positive things. Jeff is great. Love this class. And then one that says, didn't like the lectures, thought they were boring. Well, guess what I'm going to then spend all my time thinking about? the one negative one. And so we just tend to do that. We tend to gravitate to that. And it it really is a unique person who can just kind of shrug off negative comments or negative situations and then just keep plowing through. But those people, you know, we call them successful entrepreneurs, right? We call them successful athletes. In some cases, sometimes you have people who aren't all that psychologically gritty, but I mean, that, that that's a natural thing. And we have to try to find ways to see those negative things and then go, okay, what do I learn from that? Because failure, those things, those are the best teachers. Winning doesn't teach us much. Winning tells us to keep doing what we're doing. Problem is, all the people that you just beat to get there, they're adapting, they're evolving, they're changing things so that they can eventually beat you. So um, I'm a fan of losing, I guess. But I love I love what you said about um, like the participation trophies and how that it's a slippery slope, I would say, because mm-hmm. you definitely have to find that balance between just showing up and showing up, but doing slightly better, like you were saying, and focus on that as a win versus, well, it's not perfect. And I feel like in our culture, we, we value perfection so much and whatever it being just the culture of America or like you were saying, the academic system where it's just like you get an A or you, you know, all the other ones, right? It's like, yeah, it's okay, but it's it's not an A. Yeah. Well, you know, here's what I will say, and just I'll offer my two cents about you know we 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 honor perfection. I think where our society is moving now is we awkward, we we honor everyone being the same. Like we we just expect well, everyone should be fit, or everyone should have a big house, or everyone should have blah, and that's just not how behavior works. I mean, I, ultimately, if you if you are willing to put forth the work, then you're going to have a different outcome. And I think so so often we look at this and go, for example, my kids are in in sports and they play club sports and things like that. And you know, in a recreation league, everyone should play. This is a chance for them to nurture a love for the sport, nurture a love for team or of you know um, authority, right? Coach versus you know player and and camaraderie and all the wonderful things, team spirit that comes with that. Then you get to a point where later on in life, it's like, well, yeah, all that's good. And if we've instilled that with our children young, then they're going to bring that 
that disposition into the sport. But it gets to the point where it's like, well, okay, but at what level does the 14th guy off the bench get into the championship game? I don't think that's a reality. Like, bottom line is, yeah, you're on the team, and we're glad you're wearing the uniform, but sorry, with two minutes to go, you're not going in the game. And I think too often we're like, no, they deserve to be in the game. No, if they deserve to be in the game, they would be better at their sport. They deserve to be on the team, but that's different than deserving to be in the game. And I think that too often we end up lowering the expectations for people, thinking, well, it should be available to everyone, but fitness and behavior change, forget fitness for a moment, great marriages, uh, being successful in school, uh, you know, being successful at your job. No one deserves that. They earn that. It's not a right. It's a privilege. And so I think too often we just expect like, well, I went to school and I got a degree. Why can't I get a high paying job? Well, because you got a stupid degree. I hate to break it to you. You got a degree in something people just don't pay for. So it doesn't mean that now your life is over. It means now you decide, could I create my own niche? Could I go and find something so I can actually make money doing it? Do I go back and get different credentials to actually have a chance to then earn more money doing something different? But to say that it's all equal, it's simply not. I mean, we, and fitness is the perfect example of that. I mean, I, so often when I watch uh, fitness shows or things that have like, um, you know, whether it's a weight loss transformation or maybe sometimes YouTube, I'll see like these fun like strength challenges or things like that. Or, you know, it's fun to watch. I like watching the people who compete in CrossFit. That's so cool to me. And when I'm done watching, I'm like, this is awesome. I want to go throw something like I'm super motivated. (laughs) And then I go, eh, I'm good. You know, as I walk over and grab myself that Oreo cookie that I hid underneath my pillow. Um, like I, I just realized that, that is that attainable for me? Sure. It's totally attainable. Could I work so hard that I could be an elite for my age CrossFitter? Sure. There's no doubt in my mind. The answer is absolutely 100% yes. I just don't want to. And it comes back to awareness, right? Understanding your why. Why are you, uh, what's the driving force behind your actions, whether it's in fitness, whether it's just in your career, in your academics? Yeah, you got, you got to come back to that. And it's okay. It's okay that your why is not my why. That's totally fine. Uh, I think one of the, the, biggest, the biggest predators on consumers in general when it comes to whether it's... Um, uh, you know, weight loss. And that's, you know, that's our, that's our thing, right? That's the world we kind of do most of our, our work in, in fitness is weight loss stuff. And is that people just are, they're selling a snake oil. They're, they're selling mm-hmm. a magic pill. They're, they're saying, this is the thing you need to lose the weight. But that thing is just a tool. And yeah. so if, if you don't appreciate the value of the process and that tool as part of that process, the tool doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, you know, ultimately, there's, there's somebody who's on, I, man, I see his YouTube advertisements. This seems like every other the video. Shred. Yeah. He's and, definitely one of the, the and, top. Well, it's so funny because top, yeah. Uh, uh, it's so funny because he says, you know, do you ever wonder why celebrities have these great bodies? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, because it's their job. I say it over and over. It's their job. It's their job. They have unlimited resources. They have all the money they need. It's their job. So don't compare, you know, Joanne, you know, housewife or, you know, Joe custodian guy who's working 12 hour shifts to that celebrity. Like that, that mindset to me is so 
deceptive is nothing more than just deceptive. And obviously, I mean, anybody who's going to do an advertisement with their shirt off is trying to sell something that they don't really have anyway, right? I mean, it's obviously cosmetic. They're trying to get, it's like, you know, flashy packaging to try and get you to buy something, but there's nothing different. It's all the same. And bottom line is those people put in the work and they're willing to do what it takes and not everybody's willing to do that. And I think the biggest part of it, it's like, well, everyone's going to have to gather around and hold hands and, you know, light a candle or something, but it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to look like that. Now, if you want to, God bless you. That's great. Then you would be then willing to put forth the work to do it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, ultimately there is, there are differences between, uh, you know, elite athletes who are at the top of their game and people who are just playing recreational sports. There's a difference. And it doesn't mean that they don't love the sport differently. It's just that their level of discipline and their desire to pursue that end result is simply different. And there's nothing wrong with either one at all. And I think that sometimes we sort of perceive the fact that, well, if I, if I don't you know, eat clean all the time, then I'm a bad person. If I, if I don't, if I, if I have alcohol ever, then I'm just not committed to my goal. It's like, well, why does it have to be all or none? Because ultimately what would be the purpose of us even having less body fat, being healthier so we can enjoy life? So if doing those things means I don't enjoy life, then why am I doing those things? So I think that that value assessment is also pretty important. That's, that's very true. I remember yesterday I saw this, um, this meme um, and it was this fisherman just kind of laying in a boat and this uh, like entrepreneur with his big yacht comes in and is like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you just, you know, laying there? And the fisherman replies, well, I caught all the fish that I needed for today. And he's like, well, what do you mean? You, you should catch more fish and then, you know, sell those fish and then have more money. And then he's like, OK, and then what? And he's like, and then you can enjoy life. And he's like, well. I'm already doing that right now. Why do I need to do all these extra steps for what I'm doing right now? And I think just number one, it comes to the mindset, like you're saying, like first is figuring out what you want, um, your whys, uh, under or restructuring your relationship with failure, where it's it's not just this like oh eager ego like demolisher. It's a growth opportunity. There's so much growth behind that door of failure, and then you know, figuring out your action steps, right? And figuring out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what obstacles can come in your way. And again, just like restructuring how you view this, this journey that you decided to come on um, in changing your, your physique and changing your lifestyle and eating better, whatever it may be. And then, like you're saying, just enjoy the small steps and enjoy the the small victories that you you come across and you see yourself and then that be that driving force that motivation because like I remember um prior to recording this we were talking about how I can't motivate a client I you can't motivate a student to to you know give them give it their best or to do the things that they need to it and it needs to come from them uh you know that I love that point uh I had an interesting conversation when I first got into public education and a colleague at the time, he had been there for one gazillion years. And I said, you know, do you offer like extra credit or do you grade? How do, how do you do the grading stuff? And he said, oh, well, here's my, here are my rubrics is what I do. And he said, I do offer extra credit. And he said, here's an interesting insight. He said, you're going to find that the people who do the extra credit are usually the ones that don't really need the extra credit. And I went, 
I needed a minute to chew on that one. And I said, really? And he, he, he was, it was really sweet because he looked at me and goes, I'm going to leave it at that and then you'll figure it out. So I started to offer extra credit in my classes. And now I've been at the college for, you know, for almost 14 years now. And he was absolutely right. The people who are already getting A's want an uber A, right? They, 90% is not enough. They want 99%, right? And, and the people who need the extra credit don't do it. And, or, or and I just, I, I, it's confusing to me. And I look at that and go, well, it's, it's all about what you value, right? It's all internal value. And so if that person goes, look, hey man, if I get a C, I still pass. I can still get my degree. Great. Then, but the, the other person, they see that letter grade, their GP or that GPA bump as something completely different. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always blown away by how even the, the most, I, I think to me, the most um, enticing of incentives doesn't work for people. Doesn't work for people. You know, it's so funny because I look at, I look at how we, we try to incentivize children and just like it should be in, in things like fitness or in behavior change, it needs to adapt and evolve. So for example, when my boys were potty training, you can imagine they have outdoor plumbing. So if it's, they're not very specific in their targeting, it's going to be a mess for me or my wife to clean up. So we had like, you know, Hey, if you remembered to, first of all, run to the bathroom and go pee, you got an M&M. Like that's how we rewarded them. And then it was like, hey, you actually remembered to you know, aim at this part of the toilet and it wasn't all over the ceiling. Like you got an M&M, right? Well, the thing is, my kids are a lot older now. So my kids don't go to the bathroom and then come to me and go, give me an M&M, dad. And I'm like, dude, you're 14 years old. You're not getting an M&M anymore. Why? Because the expectation is different. Mm-hmm. Like we, we shouldn't keep incentivizing the same way all throughout our like journey of behavior change. It needs to evolve. It needs to adapt. I appreciate that you mentioned in one of your podcasts about re- uh, rewarding victories, rewarding successes with things that continue to support you along your journey. So if your goal is weight loss, you've lost five pounds, don't reward yourself by going and having an all-you-can-eat all you buffet. Like that's not going to help you, right? Maybe schedule a massage. I think you said, you know, take a bubble bath or something like that. Like those are the things that, that we need to do. We need to be, uh, you know, very aware of how we are incentivizing behavior change because if we are going counter to that or even just not even evolving that and going, okay, good job, little buddy, then those don't become, they don't have meaning anymore. And so we have to find those things that the why, by the way, will change with that person over time. And, you know, like for me, I, I, I've done bodybuilding and uh, I, I actually, when I decided to do bodybuilding, the next week when I told my wife, Jenny, I immediately went online and chose a date and registered. I registered for the show, paid for it in full. There was no turning back. So that was my incentive. There was it right there. So now eating out fast food, um, skipping workouts, whatever, wasn't even an option because I was going to be on stage in front of hundreds of people in my teeny tiny little Speedos, and I did not want to look like an idiot. So that opportunity for me to develop a daily incentive to do it. I mean, and it was hard. Like day, day one, I'm like, I'm in. Woo, wake up at 4 a.m., do my workout, I'm good. Like, I'm not eating that, I'm not eating this. 
four months later, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to eat the same thing over and over again. I got to take my lunchbox to work and I have to get all my food out the night before. And I got to be up at four in the morning to go to the gym before work. Like it starts to become really hard. And that's, and you and I talked about, uh, you know, the video I watched of, uh, and I've seen several interviews with him, a former Navy SEAL, or I guess not former, he's always a Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink who talks about the difference between discipline versus motivation and how discipline is ongoing. That's doing something no matter whether you feel like it or not. Whereas motivation, you do it when you feel like it. And motivation is fleeting. It rises and drops as the day goes on. Mo- discipline is waking up even when you haven't had that n- enough sleep. It's, it's you know, choosing not to eat out even though you know you don't have food at home that you have to, have to prepare and do all that stuff. Like those are the things that, that's what makes it so powerful is when you're like, no, circumstances don't matter. I'm just going to get it done. Um, Yes, I can. Me personally, like the idea of doing a bodybuilding show just is not even in my radar. But again, everybody's different. Everyone has different whys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So as we wrap up this episode, have you heard of the Manifest Challenge? I have. There, there have been several different manifest challenges from what I have heard from the podcast. Fantastic. Yes. So um, just a quick reminder, the manifest challenge is an action or a um, like an activity that you guys can focus on for the next two weeks um, and that it just helps you in your journey. And it's something to it's a guide. So for this episode, we were kind of talking about what would be something good for the topic of, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. So we talked about finding a group of like-minded people. And you kind of, you you talked about it in the actual episode of like why it's so important. What would you say is the, the biggest key or takeaway that people should get from finding like-minded people? Like the benefits, the the impact, all of that stuff. Just recap all of that. Yeah. I mean, I I love that you're making this the manifest challenge because, you know, I I think it's podcasts are cool. I listen to lots of different podcasts, but very few of them actually have like, here's what I can do now because of this podcast. Right. It's, you know, why do manatees have those faces? Like that's kind of the stuff I listen to. (laughs) And so it's good to know, but not really like now I can change my life. You know, thank you. You have some like really interesting party facts. I do. Thank you, manatee. Um, Here's what I will say. It having the right person is is a start and people is really 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 important and you you are going to be a reflection of those people as we've already alluded to um i think part of what's going to make this a challenge is you are going to most likely if there's a behavior change you're interested in you're going to have to go outside of your normal circles and now we do live in a pretty awesome time where you can, you know, go to different um, social media platforms or different sites and find like-minded individuals, right? And uh, of course, you're probably going to strike out on some. You're like, oh, you're a bunch of, you know, nut jobs. I don't think this is going to work, you know. But you have to go through that in order to find a, a know what you're looking for and also what you're not looking for. Again, going back to it's just like dating, and then also it's going to to allow you then to decide whether those people need to be a bigger part of your life. Now, in a perfect world, the people already in your life can still act as those people too. Unfortunately, chances are, if you're already in a mindset that you need a change in behavior, chances are those people aren't those people. But it doesn't mean you get rid of those people. It means that they're serviceable in their own respects, right? They're, you're, 
They can be your fun friends. I, and I, I used to have that. I had my workout friends. I had my, my uh, academic friends. And I had my, uh, whatever, maybe church friends, right? I mean, in my perfect world, they'd all be the same. That person happens to be my wife. So I nailed the lottery when it comes to that. Uh, you know, that they can be all things, but it's just probably unlikely that you're going to find that one or two people that's going to be serviceable in all of those respects when you're looking to change a behavior. So go out and really, I mean, as much as online stuff is great, I'm just a, I'm a face-to-face, shake hands kind of person. And we need to be out meeting people and try to find ways to do that, that is going to be not just fruitful for you, because that sounds like a selfish thing, like find somebody who's going to help you. Like, you know, chances are you're going to be helping them too. Like, right. It has they, to be that symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, and maybe trying things that you wouldn't normally do. Like, you know, maybe it would be like a, a cooking club or, I don't know, a hiking club or something. You're like, I don't normally go hiking or I don't even surf, but why not? You know, check it out. See what happens. I mean, there are so many. My my parents do a really, really good job in retirement of getting connected to their community. And they've stumbled across this cult of pickleballers. Like, oh my goodness, like they love pickleball and they found people who are like this just group of pickleball people and they play pickleball in the mornings, they pickleball in the evenings and they play in tournaments. And it's like, and she loves you people. And now these people who are their pickleball friends and now they come over for lunch. Now they go on vacations together. Now they, so that's how it happens, oh, right? Nice. And they never, none of that would have happened had it not been pickleball. That was their sort of, you know, gain of entry, if you will. So then if someone wants to include you in their social support and uh, maybe come take a class and learn about, uh, more about exercise or even be, become a personal trainer, where can they find you? Well, first of all, I, I love when people who are like, I want to be in fitness, like this is a career I want to do. That's cool. That makes me happy because I know so much about it. And I think it's a, a wonderful and I think fulfilling career. But I really love the people who are like, I don't want to work in fitness. I just want to learn stuff for myself because they're going to take it right away then that day to the gym. They're going to apply it to themselves. Like they take it very, very personally. And so um, Moore Park College, which is located in Moore Park, California, uh, we, I, have, I have courses that are actually online too. And uh, I have some uh, classes even in, not just in kinesiology, but also in health that, um, that really give them a really great general overview on general nutrition concepts, behavior change with nutrition, performance nutrition for people like, I want to do a Spartan race. You know, how do I eat for that? Uh, and, and I use a, a very evidence-based approach. So I have a lot of like, here's a snapshot of this study and here's what this study said, because I, I tell my students, don't believe me. I'm just a guy. Don't believe me. I'm going to tell you what science says, but if you don't believe me, then that's going to force you to investigate more. And that's what I love about the environment we've created in our, in our department is I want you to, I mean, obviously with kindness and in, in, in mind, but I want you to go, I don't believe you, you know, let me find out for myself. And I'm going to even help you fi- uh, discover where are some good resources versus just, you know, you mentioned like just fitness websites and stuff or Instagram models or YouTubers. I mean, there's so much information out there. It's really hard to, to discern what is accurate, what is semi-accurate and what is just plain old junk. And uh, I, the nice thing is th- throughout the course of four months of a semester or a, even a shortened summer session, you have me as your resource and I'm going to point you in the right directions so that you're not going to 
you're not going to be lost in the world that is health and wellness and fitness. There you go. All right. And I'll put the link to the Moore Park, um, the exercise science page of Moore Park College in the description. We do. No, I saw my video. I even showed Catherine. I told them to put it on. Hey, man, (laughs) I'm like a proud papa. That's awesome. So if you want to see one of the uh, first interviews slash instructional video videos that I ever created, go to the link in the description box below. And with that, that's the end of the episode. So sad. <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been so much fun, Teresa. Oh, thank you for coming. I, it's good to see you after that. This, so many years. I can't believe it. But I'm a little shorter and a little grayer now. You still look fabulous. Still so much knowledge and still the goat, the greatest <laughs> of all time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Fitness Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Coach Teresa Sedeno. Let me know on Instagram who else I should invite and share this episode with someone that you think might benefit. And until next time. If you are not who I want to do, let Teresa Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Boop, boop, boop.